1: Welcome everyone. Welcome to the Rise in NFL Draft podcast on CFB Nation channel. Make sure to subscribe to CFB Nation on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, of course on the YouTube channel if you're listening there as well. We are as always brought to you by IrishBreakdown.com. Exciting podcast for you all today. One that I did a lot of research for. One that I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with. So I want to introduce you guys to the word that I talk about a lot that I think that there is a preconceived notion about and one that I don't often agree with that's the word outlier so when you think of the word outlier this is what I think you think of right you think of Russell Wilson you think of Kyler Murray you think of guys that don't fall within the standards for something we're going to talk a lot about physical thresholds today we're going to be talking about heights weight wingspan arm length, hand size, all those great things, right? And to be very honest, these are all things that I push back against a ton. And I know you do too. A lot of people say, I don't care what size a player is. I care what they do on the football field. And I think we're on the same page there, right? We are. But I am also a traditionalist in that size does matter. The football is a big man's game, right? Size does matter. There's a reason that that scouts go gaga over arm length at the offensive tackle position. It's because historically, it tells you when arms are 33 and a half, 34 inches long and longer, usually those guys end up being good football players. That's what history tells us. We can't ignore those stats, we can't ignore that data. But it doesn't always mean that players that fall outside of those thresholds can't be successful. I mentioned Russell Wilson. I mentioned Kyler Murray. I'll bring up Aaron Donald. He is an outlier. I push back against the term outlier that it always has to be negative, though. I push back tremendously, tremendously on that. I am an outlier. I was the first Roberts to go and graduate from college. I'm an outlier based upon my family history it tells you that I probably wasn't going to go to college. And I probably wasn't going to get a degree. And I sit here with two different degrees at this point. I am an outlier. And that should be celebrated. Aaron Donald being as dominant as he is, despite not hitting those thresholds of height, weight, size, should be celebrated. But that being said, we also do need to recognize that sometimes players not hitting those thresholds and being outliers can be a negative thing. It can be.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. you need indeed
2: our next partner is athletic greens i take ag1 by athletic greens literally every day i gave agi a try because i wanted better gut health sustained energy immune support system but i hate taking pills and i wanted a supplement that actually tastes great which is helping me kick my sugar addiction in the morning before i get to work i like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Irish. That's
1: athleticgreens.com slash Irish. Check it out. So let's talk about some guys in the 2023 NFL Draft. That are going to be outliers. And again, does it mean they won't be good football players? Does not mean they won't be successful. But what it does mean is that the cards are stacked against them a little bit. They are. We can can agree with that, right? The cards are stacked against them, but it does not mean that they can't be successful football players. It just means they're outliers. So I have uh, five guys? Five guys that I looked at in the 2023 NFL draft and based upon a one measurement or two in a couple of these kids' cases are outliers if they are successful. And in order to get some context about how much of an outlier they are, I went to Mock Draftable, which is a great site, by the way. I would go check it out. And I looked up since the year 1999, so since the turn of the century, How many players have come into the NFL at this particular threshold that I'm looking at? And I think that will give us a clearer understanding of, one, how rare it would be if some of these players are very good. And two, who are some of the players that have been in that threshold and how successful were they? Because just because these guys are on this list doesn't mean they were successful football players. There's a ton of guys on this list that did not end up making in the NFL, which makes this fascinating. Makes it fascinating. There's some that you look at and say, oh, see, there's several guys that tell you that can work, but then there's a lot of other guys that tell you you probably can't. So let's work through this list. It's really exciting. There's a few of these players. I'll say out of, out of the five guys that we have today, I would bet on at least three of them to be positive outliers, to be guys that the size does not matter, that threshold is not as important. Because they have overcompensating traits. And you're going to hear me talk about overcompensating traits on this show, on future shows, in nauseam, throughout the history of (laughs) worlds. I'm going to be talking about overcompensating traits. Because if an offensive tackle has shorter arms, it's not the end of the world if they have really good foot quickness or really good core strength or really good understanding of angles. Those things can be overcompensating traits. So let's start with the spot that everyone always wants to start with, Let's talk quarterback. Let's talk about Bryce Young, who, quarterback out of Alabama, is the assumed favorite to be the first quarterback off the board, whether that is Chicago Bears trade down, maybe an Indianapolis Colts trade up, a Carolina Panthers, whoever. So A team ends up making that trade up. Maybe the Houston Texans get him at number two if the Bears stay pat, whatever the situation might be. Bryce Young is the assumed favorite to be the first quarterback off the board. And he is my top quarterback in this class. Pretty sick. There's a there's a little bit of a gap between him and CJ Stroud, in my opinion. But regardless of how much you like Bryce Young, you like him as much as I do, as some of the NFL teams do, or you're incredibly worried and you're not buying into it. Bryce Young is an outlier. He is. He's listed at six foot, 194 pounds. I would expect, and we'll know this very soon when the combine rolls around here at the end of this month into the beginning of next month, what the actual height is. I have a feeling it's going to be more in the 5'11 and some change range than six foot to start with. I'm also more worried though, however, because we've now seen a few guys talked about, I talked about them already Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, more and more sub six foot quarterbacks are coming to the NFL and being successful. So the height is not a big big worry for me because for me, I don't see the issues that height would suggest, right? I don't see a lack of field vision. I don't see the ability to manipulate passing lanes. I think Bryce Young does those things really well. The more troublesome area is 194 pounds, if that's what he ends up weighing in at, sub 200, because that is a historical outlier, as the height is as well. And I have to worry a little bit for a position, at quarterback that's going to be hit a ton in the pocket and out of it. Can a player sub two hundred pounds withstand a seventeen game season? I think it's a re- realistic conversation to have. So if we're I so I focus mostly on the t- under two hundred, and then I'll have a little bit of context to the six foot kind of added in on this. So here are the quarterbacks since nineteen ninety nine that have entered the NFL at under two hundred pounds. Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech, didn't last. Anthony Wright, South Carolina, lasted as a backup for a little bit. Seneca Wallace was a good backup out of Iowa State for the Seattle Seahawks. Connor Holiday, Washington State, did not last. The Eric King can't find traction with a team out of Miami. Pat White, West Virginia, great dual threat quarterback, only lasted a year or two on the Miami Dolphins as kind of a gadget player. Kellen Moore. Assistant in the NFL, obviously, most recently with the Dallas Cowboys, and obviously been picked up this past offseason. He lasted with the Dallas Cowboys for a couple of years. Reggie McNeil, Texas AM, great athlete, didn't last in the NFL very long. Kevin Thompson, Washington, was originally at Sacramento State, did not last in the NFL. Noah Johnson, South Florida, was, I believe, an Alcorn State transfer originally, did not last. Oscar Davenport, North Carolina, did not last in the NFL. And Shane Gregg's Idaho State did not last in the NFL. So, of the under 200 pound quarterbacks, historically since 1999, the best one is Seneca Wallace, who's a backup quarterback. There's no starters on that list. There's no starters. And again, does that mean that Brush Young can't be successful? No, it's not what it means. But it does mean the, stack, the deck stack against him. That was, I believe, 10 quarterbacks, yes, 10 quarterbacks since that point have been sub-200 pounds, and I have one good backup quarterback, and a couple that lasted a couple years as a backup quarterback. Those are the stats. It's troubling. It is. Now, this conversation could be clearly null and void, because Bryce Young could show at the combine and be over 200 pounds. We never have to talk about this again. But him listed at 194, i think is probably more in the high 180 range. So I do have questions if he's going to hit that 200 pound threshold at the combine. I hope he does because then we could kill this conversation because I do think that he is a player that has overcompensating traits. I'm not that worried about it, but I also did do a little further research here. So of the players that were under 200 pounds, how many of them were also under six foot tall? The answer three, the King, Joe Hamilton, Noah Johnson. Three players that did not last in the NFL. Two players that did not have any traction in the NFL. Those are the three quarterbacks that have been below six foot and under 200 pounds. Again, doesn't mean it's the end all be all, but it does worry you. There has to be a little bit of worry. These are statistics and data that NFL teams have to talk about. Because at the end of the day, especially if we're talking about a kid that could be the potential first overall pick, depending on how things shake out, you're investing a lot in Bryce Young. And I would invest a lot in Bryce Young. But at the end of the day, the history tells you Bryce Young is an outlier. Can he last? I believe so. Will he? We'll see. We'll see. But that's Bryce Young. Let's to start with that one. Another one. And this is a fun one. This is a really fun one. Deuce Vaughn. Running back, Kansas State. If, you, if you're a general college football fan, you know that Deuce Vaughn is one of the most exciting football players in college over the last three seasons. Just a dynamic runner and receiver out of the backfield for Kansas State over the last couple of years. But he's an outlier. 5'6", 176 pounds listed. So we're talking about a kid who might be 5'6", and is... Right around 180 pounds, but listed less, less. So he might come in at 170 something pounds, or he might come in at 180. Regardless, I didn't talk much about the weight threshold for Deuce Vaughn because the biggest outlier that he's going to have to work against, because he could get up to 185, 190, he is a body type to do it. 5'6", historically, is a very Hit or miss threshold for a running back, and more miss than there is hit, obviously. So I even game a little bit here because I, I think we could assume Deuce Vaughn listed at five six on the Kansas State roster is more than likely not going to be five seven, right? He's going to be five six in some change. He's going to be five six, maybe, maybe five five in some change. We'll see what he ends up with. But I went back to mock draftable, and since nineteen ninety nine, there are ten running backs that measured in. At lo- at less than five foot seven, so shorter than five foot seven, those running backs are JJ Taylor out of Arizona, was drafted by the New England Patriots. I think he's stuck a little bit. Deont Whitaker out of San Jose State. I don't know who Deionce Whitaker is. Going to assume he didn't last. Darren Sproles, Kansas State, same school as De- as Deuce Vaughn. Obviously stuck and had a great career, part of the New Orleans Saints, Philadelphia Eagles, was a phenomenal football player, and was, uh, was the San Diego Chargers originally. Corey Ross from Nebraska did not last. Tara Cohen, North Carolina AT, did last for a couple years, but his body broke down. Jacquez Rogers, Oregon State, stuck around for a couple years. Robbie Rouse, Fresno State. Did not stick. Jared Patterson, Buffalo, was a all-timer at Buffalo. He is sticking so far with the Redskins in a – or, sorry, commanders in a backup role. And then C.J. Marrable, who is a running back out of Coastal Carolina, who is not stick. I think he's in one of the alternative leagues. So there's a wide variety here, right? You have guys like Tariq Cohen, Jacquez Rogers, Jared Patterson, who have had some success in the NFL, at least sticking on rosters. JJ Taylor, you could throw in there as well. But for the most part, Deionce Whitaker, Robbie Rouse, Corey Ross, Jamal Jones, CJ Maribel, players who did not stick in the NFL that were shorter than five foot seven. The big outlier of success is Darren Sproles, who has been one of the best all purpose weapons. What you have seen in the NFL the past era. Could Deuce Vaughn be Darren Sproles? I believe so. Maybe not quite as good, but I believe he could be in a similar vein because I love Deuce Vaughn. He was just number four on my running back rankings. I think that kid is lightning in a bottle and a fantastic football player. But if he is successful, which I do think he will be in the NFL, he will be an outlier. And he might be, one of the few outliers that have been successful. There hasn't been a lot of success for running backs lower than five foot seven. So, again, can he be successful? I believe so. Is this deck stacked against him? Yes. And it's okay to say it is. It's okay because he could be a success story. I wanted to move over to offensive tackle with Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern. I know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that watch this podcast. Peter Skoronsky was a player that I know Notre Dame made a late push for, but was not able to get. He ends up at Northwestern. All-American the last two years at Northwestern. Really, really good football player. In my estimation, regardless of the positional value of an offensive tackle, offensive guard, center, like all that stuff, he might be the most NFL-ready offensive lineman in the 2023 NFL draft. I think he's that nuanced. He's that consistent. Just a really good football player. There's going to be some talk of whether he's a tackle, whether he's an inside player. Regardless, I think you're getting a really good football player who's going to start for some some years in the NFL. I really do like Peter Skronsky a lot. But there is going to be that question. Is he an offensive tackle? Is he an interior player? I don't personally care because I think he's going to be a really good offensive lineman. But for Peter's sake... He's going to want to play offensive tackle because you know why? Offensive tackles make more money. It's a more important position. It is. It's a more important position than an offensive guard. I don't think there's any debate over that. So Skorazki is going to be out to prove this draft season that he can be an offensive tackle at the next level. The issue with that is there are a lot of talks that his arms might be very close to 32 inches. And again, 34 is the traditional number that you want to get to. 34 inch arms is what the archaic view of the NFL. That is kind of pushed down a little bit. It's more of the 33, 33 and a half inch range, but you still want 33 and a half, 34 inch arms. That's it's kind of the 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 that's the requisite for the most part. There's going to be outliers like Panay Soul and Rashawn Slater, who you know the arm length doesn't matter as much because they have, say it with me, folks, overcompensating traits. Peter Skoransky, if he does have 32 and a half or shorter arms, the deck will be stacked against him to stake an offensive tackle at the next level. 19 players since, since 1999 have had 32 and a half or shorter inch arms at offensive tackle entering the NFL. Those players, let's work through these ones quickly. Tony Bergstrom, Utah, stuck in the NFL, more of a backup. Justin Pugh from Syracuse. New York giant drafted him did not stick an offensive tackle developed into a very good guard on the NFL level. Matt Filer from Bloomsburg has stuck in the NFL Pittsburgh Steelers. I know I believe this with the Carolina Panthers. If I remember correctly, he was an offensive tackle, but has moved inside a and has been a better player at a guard. Brett Boyko from UNLV has not stuck in the NFL. Eric Aust- Austell from Charleston Southern has not stuck in the NFL. Nick Gates, Nebraska, has stuck in the NFL, but is now a center, not a tackle. Andre James, UCLA, has stuck a little bit in the NFL. Brino Giacomini, my favorite name on the list, from Louisville, stuck in the NFL for a couple of years, was more of an interior offensive lineman. John Cullen, Utah, did not stick. Rick Leonard from Florida State did not stick. Brady Christensen, BYU, drafted as an offensive tackle, now a starting guard for the Carolina Panthers. Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Drafted as a tackle, now starting at guard for the Miami Dolphins. Taylor Dever, Notre Dame, did not stick in the NFL. Jackson Carman, Clemson, drafted by Cincinnati Bengals, has played between tackle and guard, is not a starter on the Cincinnati Bengals. Alaric Jackson is a backup offensive lineman for the St. Louis Rams out of, the, out of Iowa. It was undrafted, though. Garrett Gilkey did not stick in the NFL out of Sheridan State. Alex Kappa, Humboldt State, has developed into a good guard at the NFL level, not a tackle. Jalen Mayfield, starting guard for the Atlanta Falcons, has struggled out of the out of the uh, out of Michigan, not playing tackle anymore. Brandon J- James from Nebraska, I'm not 100 sure on him, but he definitely does not start in the NFL. So of the guys that have been developed into starters in the NFL. We talk about Justin Pugh. We talk about Liam Eikenberg. We talk about Brady Christensen. Those guys have all transitioned inside a guard. There is not a player on this list that is a starting offensive tackle or was a starting offensive tackle in the NFL. 32 and a half inch arms are shorter. Can Peter Skorowski stick an offensive tackle? I believe he can. I believe he can. I do. But is the deck stacked against him? Absolutely. That data shows you. There's no offensive tackles with that arm blank that have started in the NFL. There's none. They're all backups. Most of them are guards. One's the center. Doesn't play. Doesn't play. Can it play? Peter Scrantz could. But at the end of the day, if he does, he's an outlier. Not a bad thing. Just a data-driven outlier. Defensive tackle. I want to talk about Kalijah Kansi. For Pittsburgh, who's listed at six foot, 280 pounds, was told that he played below 280 pounds this year. But I'm going to focus more on the height, six foot, because everyone's going to talk about Aaron Donald because he went to Pittsburgh as well. Undersized defensive tackle came out. Aaron Donald was closer to six foot one than he was to six foot. And there is some concern that Kalaji Kansi could show up to Indianapolis and be sub six foot or six foot even. And if he does, could he be successful? Yes. I'm not as high on him as some people, though. Be very transparent with that. But if he is successful, he's an outlier. Let's take a look at the defensive tackle since 1999 that had been six foot or shorter. Six foot even or shorter. There's 10. Puna Ford, Texas. Developed into a good football player for the Seattle Seahawks. O'Brien Goodson from Memphis. Did not stick in the NFL. Seaver Saliga out of Utah. Did not stick in the NFL. Mike Daniels, Iowa, developed into a very good defensive tackle for the Green Bay Packers early on in his career. He did stick in the NFL. Will Sutton, Arizona State, All-American in Arizona State, had a tough time finding a role in the NFL. Luther Maddy, Virginia Tech, had a tough time finding a role in the NFL. Antoine Woods, USC, has developed into a good, solid, rotational defensive tackle at the NFL level. Deidre Sanat, South Florida, has had a tough time finding a role in the NFL. Forrest Merrill, Arkansas State, has had a tough time finding a role in the NFL. Jordan Scott, Oregon, has had a tough time finding a role in the NFL. So out of these 10 players, there's one very good player in Mike Daniels. And then you have Puna Ford. You have Antoine Woods are the two guys that have developed into good players in their role for the NFL team. That's a 30% hit rate, folks. A thirty percent hit rate. Again, does that mean he can't be successful? Does that mean that Kalilja can't can't be successful at the NFL level? No, it's not what it means. But what it does mean is that the deck stacked against him. And I know you all are getting super annoyed because I keep saying the deck stacked against him. I keep saying outlier. I keep saying it's okay. I get it. But these are things NFL teams need to sort through. These are this is the real conversations that are happening right now. History speaks it. We can ignore history and hope for the best, and it might work out. But a lot of NFL teams who are investing a lot of money into these players are going to look at Kalija Kansi, right or wrong, and say, history tells me that doesn't work. I'm not going to take that risk because the risk does not usually work. That's where we're at. Last guy I want to talk about, going to the cornerback room. Cornerback in today's age is all about length and athleticism. But one good thing that the NFL has turned to now is that with so much sub-package, the nickel cornerback position has more important than it ever has been. So it's allowing some smaller corners to end up being very good football players in the NFL. Because maybe they couldn't last outside, but they could last in the nickel, in tighter spaces, more help over the top, could be more physical near the line of scrimmage. Size doesn't matter quite as much. One guy that needs to fit that role is Travius Hodges Tomlinson out of TCU, who, for people that love the College Football Awards, he was the Jim Thorpe Award winner this past season, had a tremendous career at TCU for the Horned Frogs. Will also test very well for what I'm hearing. Expected to be right around four four flat, maybe faster. Expected to jump high, expected to broad, far short area quickness, everything should check out as far as his athletic ability. But the thing that you have to consider with Travis Hodges Tomlinson is his height and his size, his length, is an outlier. He went to the Senior Bowl. I'm sorry, excuse me. He did not go to the Senior Bowl. He went to the East-West Shrine Bowl, measured in at 5'7 and 5'8", 175 pounds, 29 and 3/8 inch arms, and a 70 and three-quarter inch wingspan. I want to focus on the height 5'7 and 5'8, and the wingspan 70 and three-quarters. The height, especially, is going to be one that people are going to talk about a ton. Because the minute they see a seven next to that five, that's worrisome. Let me tell you, the corners in the NFL. Since 1999, on mock draftable, that have come in at sub five foot eight. These are the corners.
3: Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.
1: Mikel Roby Coleman out of USC. Did you notice the long pause? It's because that's it. He's the only player, only player historically since 1999 that is a sub five foot eight corner. And it's a fascinating conversation because Mikel Roby Coleman, Mikel Roby Coleman was a good football player, real good football player. Went to a Super Bowl with the Rams. Was one of the better nickels in the NFL for a couple of years. And maybe Travis Hodges Tomlinson could be the same brand. He can come in and be a starting nickel like a Nickel Robey Coleman and be a really good football player. It's possible. Because he's scrappy, he's physical, he's athletic. But the point of the matter is, is that historically speaking, there has been one football player at this position that has been that size. An NFL team has to look at Travis Hodges Tomlinson and say, you are the second of your kind ever, ever. Again, someone's going to bet on him, I think. Late in the draft, priority free agent, whatever it ends up being, someone's going to bet on him. And I wouldn't bet against him being a good nickel the next level. But he is an outlier. He is rare. There has not been this body type. There's not been this height to come at the NFL. He's the second one since 1999. The other number that I want to talk about was the wingspan, 70 and three quarters inches. There have been three corners to come at the NFL that have a sub 71 inch wingspan. So less than 71 inches. Funny enough, Nickel Roby Coleman's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's Marcus Jones, who made a Pro Bowl this year out of Houston for the New England Patriots. It's Avery Williams, out of Boise State, that is on the Falcons' roster. Has kind of been moved between corner and running back, oddly. And Roger McCreary, out of Auburn, who's a second-round pick, is now playing in the NFL. I think he got some a little bit of duty as a rookie. So, the results have been pretty good for the players that have had sub 71 inch arms. But at the end of the day, only three players since 1999 have had sub 71 inch arms. So, if I asked you, the trivia question comes out one day name the corners that are shorter than five foot seven, or sorry, shorter than five foot eight, and have less than 71 inch wingspan. Say Jeopardy asked this. They'll never will, but let's say they do. How many have done it? And so one. It's Travius hodges Tomlinson. Again, does it mean he can't be successful? No. But the deck gets stacked against him. He is an outlier. So we'll see. Regardless, those are a few of the top outliers in the 2023 NFL draft that you should keep some eyes on. Because, again, it's going to be interesting to see how they succeed in the NFL, if they succeed in the NFL. Because the odds are against them. I think that a few of them could defy the odds, but we shall see. We shall see. But that's going to do it to this portion of the podcast. Again, talking a little bit of some of the outliers in the 2023 NFL draft. I'm going to get in the mailbag next. And for people that don't follow this podcast or just start listening, boards.irishbreakdown.com is where each week you can submit questions to the show. And the last portion of this podcast will always be dedicated to you all, the listeners, the followers, because I appreciate you all, man. So let's dig into some of these mailbag questions. I'm gonna try to get to as many as I can in the next 10 ish minutes. See how much I get to. From TGC, who is an IB insider, where does Michael Mayer get drafted at the latest? TGC, it's a great question. I, I, I am worried. I'm not gonna worry. I'm not gonna lie to you. I am worried that people are gonna overthink Michael Mayer. I am worried. You keep seeing the NFL draft analysts that are very heavily that are very plugged in, the Mel Kipers, the Daniel Jeremiah's, Dave Brugler. Not as mu- well, Dave Brugler is plugged in, but he hasn't put out this narrative as much as the other two. That Michael Mayer might not be the top tight end on the board for some teams, and I'm sure he's not because NFL teams make mistakes. They think it's a mistake. I truly believe, though. I think. I think. Mid-20s is the floor for Michael Mayer. I see people now mocking him outside the first round. I would be shocked if he's outside the first round. Absolutely shocked. He's the best tight end in the 2023 draft, I think, comfortably at this point. I do. I think comfortably. So I'm going to say mid-20s is probably the the latest. Maybe he doesn't quite go into the top 10 like I thought could be possible uh, at some point. He's probably more a teens player at this point with everything that kind of is being surfaced. But I think mid-20s is the latest that he goes. We had Tyler Binge who asked. T-Binge. T-E-Binge. Ryan, why are the Colts so high on Will Levis? Oh, Tyler. Uh, why? I mean, the why is pretty easy, in my opinion. 6'3", 230. Strong arm. Cannon for an arm. Not just a strong arm. Really strong arm. Good athlete. Has a really flexible arm as well, can kind of work from some different arm angles, do all that type of stuff. And honestly, the NFL has proven to make this mistake time and time again, man, time and time again. I don't think it's a Colts issue. I think there's probably several teams in the NFL that would prefer Will Levis. I I think that I do. I think it's misguided. He's, he would be quarterback four for me in this draft. Just where he would be but I think he has a realistic chance of being the first quarterback off the board. I do. I really do because of those tangible things, things you can touch, right? The arm, the athleticism, the size, all those things teams love. They love it. They make this mistake every single year, just about. And for every Josh Allen, there's a Blaine Gabbard. There's a Jake Locker. There's an EJ manual. Those guys happen every single year. They it more than all, more than the the more than the positive outcomes. But that's why it's the tangibles. It's not the intangibles. It's the tangibles—the things you can see. From Matt twenty eleven GT, do you know what round Jack Swarbrick was drafted? A brilliant football guy with that mu- must have been pretty high first rounder, right? Uh, obviously, for <laughs> Notre Dame fans that followed the podcast with recent conversation over Andy Ludwig. They know why this, this question is asked. Matt, it's funny, which is why I wanted to, to just laugh about it for a second here. It's funny, man. It's funny. Uh, yeah. Left football people make football decisions. I'll just leave it at that. Patrick N.D. said, could you rank between Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., and Cam Smith? Not sure if you would include Ringo or Clark Phillips in this conversation. I I would include both those guys in the conversation because, look, this is a highly volatile cornerback group. It's very deep and there's a lot of talent and a lot of talent that I can get really excited about for sure. But it is volatile because a few of the players that you just named are not nearly as close to their ceiling as I would like coming out of college. At the end of the day, everybody's developmental coming out of college. Nobody's to their ceiling. If you are, eh, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. But Christian Gonzalez worries me. Talented, no doubt. Kaylee Ringo worries me. Talented, no doubt. Joey Porter Jr. really worries me. Talented, not as much as the other two. But he could be successful at the next level. But ranking these guys for me, I think you're going to see a theme. You're going to see a theme that I care a lot more about the intangible parts playing the cornerback position than tangible sometimes. And that's not to say that length doesn't matter. It does. It's not to say that athleticism doesn't matter. It absolutely does. But it's to say, I really value instincts. I really value ball skills, the ability to play the football in the air. I really value physicality, intelligence. I value those things tremendously at the cornerback position. I think that's why some guys get overlooked. So out of this group where I am, I would take Kaylee Ringo first. I would. He worries me. There'd be an asterisk next to his name. He worries me a little bit. But that height, weight, speed combination, that's rare. Christian Gonzalez is close, but he's a little bit more of a rare football player in my opinion. He's definitely more athletic than Joey Porter Jr. So ultimately, I would side with the traits as the first cornerback off the board. I would take Kaylee Ringo. He would worry me. But as long as I trust the coaches that are coaching him up every day, I think you can get a lot out of that kid. So, Kaylee Ringo, I would go Devin Witherspoon next out of Illinois. Enough size, enough length, but just incredible physicality, incredible football intelligence, which is why also next I would have Clark Phillips as my third spot. Now, Clark is going to get knocked because of his height and his arm length. He's not the biggest corner in the world, but he's so smart, man. So smart, intelligent. Physical, love the kid. I would take him in the first round, and I wouldn't think second about it. Christian Gonzalez would be next for me. Height, speed, explosiveness, short area quickness, everything's there. I'm struggling with him a little bit because of the lack of physicality. I don't see incredible physicality. I see a good tackler, but when I'm saying physicality, I'm talking about as a pass coverage player. There are some things that worry me against him working against tremendous size outside. So I am a little bit tentative on him still a high second round grade for me because the the talent is extraordinary he can be a very good player at the next level Joey Porter Jr. would be next for me out of this list look man I can get there with the length I think he's a good functional athlete those things are awesome he's so grabby he's so grabby I think he's a pass interference waiting to happen on the next level I really do There is a fine line between physicality and over-aggressiveness. I think he might be more on the over-aggressiveness side, which in the NFL is going to cause you to get flagged a ton. And I don't necessarily think that he is a great athlete. I think he's a good athlete. I think he can run pretty well. I don't think he changes direction incredibly well, though. So he worries me. I think he's going to have a lot of issues with, with, with penalties on the next level. And then, honestly, Cam Smith is last on that list for me. I'm not. I'm just not in there, man. I just don't see anything special about him. Talk's a great game. I don't think he plays overly physical all the time in pass coverage. I don't think he's a great athlete. And he's not as long as a few of those guys on that list. So I think he's a good player. I I, I don't see anything that's substantial to get me super excited about, though. From Matt2011GT. Does New England bring in another quarterback? Look, I think every year a team should bring in another quarterback. And not not a first round pick, not even, you know, in certain a lot of situations, not a day two pick. But if I'm a late round type of flyer type of quarterback, I'm always going to bring somebody in, man. I am. The quarterback position is so important. I'm stocking that thing all the time. New England's a weird weird position. They have Mac Jones, who's played well as a rookie, was very up and down second year. I mean, they're not going to give up on him, though. I still think he's going to get a chance. And you do have Bailey Zappi, who I think is ba- – Bailey Zappi is a really good backup quarterback at the next level. But this is a – it's it year for me for Mac Jones. Can he be the guy? If he can't be, then you got to go back to the well in 2024 NFL draft. I don't think 2023 is the time to do that. But if there's a talented quarterback in the later rounds that staring me in the face as a developmental type of guy, yeah, take a flyer, man, for sure. I'm stuck in that position every single year. If you don't hit, you don't hit. But regardless, that position is too important to just ignore. So, yeah, I would take a guy just not incredibly early this year. We had from Vanilla Chill, there is buzz about Will Levis rising up draft boards. Is that your read as well, and can you explain why? Well, it's, I talked a little bit about the explaining why thing. The size, athleticism, all that good stuff, right? Is he rising up draft boards? I would have say no Vanilla Chill because I think that he was always at the top of draft boards for a lot of guys. Maybe from the public perception, maybe it's rising up draft boards. I guess, I, I guess. But, I mean, he had a high spring grade last year. He had a high first-round grade from the NFL teams coming into this season. And it's just what stood, I think. I, I think that there was serious conversation of him being first, the first quarterback off the board in the preseason by NFL teams. So I don't think he's necessarily risen up boards. I just think it's more becoming more public knowledge, if anything. That's what we're looking at right now. And yeah, my read is that it's true. I, I've heard from too many good people, too many good sources that I trust that it is a reality. So yeah, I buy it. I do buy it. I don't, I think it's a little nuts, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But I do think it is. We had Mike G twenty five. Let's run up real quick, as I talked about a little bit last week. Who would you pick at quarterback for the Colts? I would stick at four, and I would let C J Stroud fold to me because I think that's what's going to happen. I think CJ has a chance to fall a little bit in this draft. And when I say fall, I'm not talking out of the first round, back of the first round, not, nothing like that. But to five to ten, somewhere in that ballpark, he has a chance to fall there. So if I was the Colts and I was making decisions, I would sit there and just take CJ. I think that would be a great decision. From Vanilla Chill, where do you think Jack Smith and Jake Smith goes in the draft? I'm asking because I'm a Bears fan. And, Fa- and Field says, said he hopes that the Bears can get him. LOL. Do you think it's possible he falls to the second round? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. really matters on his testing and the rest of the draft process because you just don't have much film to go on, obviously, in 2022. I still think he's a good football player, but I, and I think that he's a slam on top 40-ish pick. But for a kid that was once maybe thought of to be maybe a 15 to 30 pick somewhere in that ballpark, I think he's more probably in the twenty to forty bucket as of right now. So is it possible? Yeah, hundred percent is. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think the preseason was just a little bit much with the over. You know, the evaluation. Like he's a good, good, very good secondary option at the next level, in my opinion. I don't think he's a true number one receiver. I though I don't. I think when you have a really good number one he can become a Robert Woods type of player where he's just like, dang, man, we can't stop that dude. And all of a sudden he has 1,000 yards. You know, he's just a good football player. So that's what I see in Jackson Smith and Jacob. That's what I see. From Ramble on, I said, what player or players have you been most impressed by after studying their film? I mean, there's a lot, man. <laughs> Ramble on. Like there would be a, it, would, it would be a better question if you asked me, a position because like Devin Witherspoon is just so impressive man just so impressive right Matt Bergeron from Syracuse I thought had a tremendous year I thought he was incredibly impressive thought Jack uh John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota was a player that was very impressive on film I liked him a lot coming into the season thought he had a great 22 two season so position specific might be a little bit better because I can give you some a little bit more names but those were a couple of guys that just pop off the head pretty quickly Right, looks like I have time for one more question, and we're going to get out of here. All right. We had from Shaw Bryan. I apologize for anybody that I didn't get to. Make sure to recycle these questions because I'll be back again next Thursday, so keep talking. But from Shaw Bryan, he said, thoughts on Joe Titman from Wisconsin. Dane Brugler from The Athletic had him ranked higher, second center in the top 100 than I expected. Didn't expect him to be a top 100 pick. Uh, Brian, so I actually really like him, man. I, I've liked him. I actually interviewed him during his guess junior Richard sophomore year, I guess, right? after he was a first year starter for Wisconsin. I like him a ton. he's he's a really odd body type for a center. I mean, he's right around six foot six, three hundred plus pounds. He looks more like a tackle body type, but he's just one of those dudes that is incredibly smooth, smart, takes good angles, good length for the position. I like Joe Tittman a lot, man. I think that he is going to be a zone heavy scheme center and he's going to be a dang good one at the next level. So I really like Joe a lot. I respect Dane Brugler a lot too. I would say anytime you see something from Dane, there is teeth to it. Usually he's a very smart guy. He's very plugged in. So the fact that he likes Joe Tittman, I think is, is a telling thing obviously. Right. So yeah, good, great question, though, to end the podcast here today. want to thank everybody for submitting questions. I'll make sure to get some next week. Again, recycle those questions. Get them back in next week. Maybe I'll try to carve out a little bit more time for the mailbag. But want to thank everybody, obviously, for tuning in with me today. I'll be back again Thursday next week for the Rise in NFL Draft podcast. Make sure if you go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you're freaking a podcast, so you can leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Make sure to hit that Like button. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit that notification bell for every podcast that we come out on CFB Nation. We have a lot of great content, especially during draft season and the college football offseason, obviously now uh, fully ahead of us. A lot of great news that's coming up, folks. So I want to thank you all again for joining the Rise Info Draft Show. Talk to you all again next week.